This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe and our good pal, Jam Packard of The Athletic. Thanks for coming on, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm a little bit frustrated because I feel like Gordon Hayward's been really messing with us, changing up his deadline dates. But other than that, I'm doing well, doing good. Just uh, excited for news to actually happen. He blew up your scoop. I know. <laughs> I did a classic bit today where I reported sources close to the situation were telling me that he was going to make a decision today. And then he completely blew that up, ruining the bit. But actually, I could quote tweet that and they do another bit when I said I had real egg on my face. And so it's kind of a, a lost the initial fight, but won the war. You won the bit war. That's good. That's my only goal in being online. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the Gordon Hayward news. That's obviously the big thing for the Celtics today. Around 3.30, so about an hour and a half before he was due to make a decision, news leaked that Hayward and the Celtics have agreed to extend his deadline beyond the draft. I'll throw it to you guys first. I feel like there's only really like a couple of scenarios here that are possible. One of them feels a lot more likely to me. Feels to me like basically this means that either the Celtics are working on an extension with Hayward, which feels less likely, or the Celtics are working on a sign and trade to send him somewhere else, maybe like getting a third team involved, whatever it might be. What do you guys think? Does that track for you? So I definitely think it's the opt-out and traded via sign-and-trade because negotiating a new deal, I just feel like that doesn't require pushing the deadline back. Yeah. So I definitely think they're trying to trade him via sign-and-trade, and that makes sense too because the extra time would be needed to like establish the destination. Right. And perhaps that has been sort of muddied because of the Drew Holiday situation. Maybe that was a possibility for Danny. I think Kevin O'Connor did report that the Celtics offered Gordon Hayward in three first round picks, which seems like insane. But then once you see what the Bucks offered, they had to get a package at least somewhat similar to that. So it definitely seems like he's on the move regardless. Yeah, I would agree. And it seems like they're trying to work together to figure out a situation that works best for Gordon. I imagine if Hayward just wanted to opt out and go to somewhere like the Hawks, he would have done that already and signed like a long-term deal. But he's trying to find a situation that works best for him and moving it past the draft. So two days I think just makes everything uh, clear about where things are going to fall. I think a lot of teams are going to make trades based on where certain players fall. I think the, like the Hawks have the sixth pick and there have been rumors aplenty about what they're going to do with that. 
But I think the who's going to be involved in that trade at a possible third team, all of that changes if, say, some guy is available there that they didn't think was going to be available there. Let's say a Coro, like a name I like, I know what I'm talking about. Like, let's say if there's someone there, uh, it just kind of changes the, the dynamic of the draft. I don't know if this, this year's draft is so completely different. But it feels like no one knows what's, what, what's going to happen. And so the kind of willingness to trade out of picks, it, it feels like it's going to be very dependent on who actually gets selected. And from all the pods and surface level research I've done, people are like, we know the top three, but from four to 20, anyone could go in any order. And so it's like, how do you make a trade for like the sixth pick in that when you have no idea who's going to go three, four, five? Exactly. And that to me, to your point is, is why it like makes sense to have like extended this beyond the draft. Because then, like you said, like it's tough to like, sit. I mean, like, let's say the Pistons were interested in moving number seven, like, like you said, a Coro or, or maybe a Kungu, if one of those guys is going to be available at seven. Then yes, maybe the Celtics are in on that. Or maybe there's, you know, another team that's willing to throw their hat in the ring. It, do, it does kind of feel like that, that, you know, those musical chairs, maybe that revolving door is kind of what's going on here. It's, we don't even know what's going to happen at number one. Like, yeah. what if the, like, all, I'm hearing a bunch of things like the Hornets want to trade up and take Wiseman. So what if they do that? That completely changes the Golden State strategy. And then there's just so many dominoes to fall. I think it's going to be a wild draft night and like a lot of trades on draft night. Cause just, I don't see how anyone gets anything done until someone makes the first step. And we just don't know, like Minnesota, the ball is in their court, but we just don't know what they're going to do. For sure. Like I'm having like trouble wrapping my head around this too, because like on the one hand, and, and we'll get to the, the Drew Holiday package and everything that happened last night in a little bit. But like on the one hand, you look at that package and you're like, okay, there was like this desperate Milwaukee team that just offered, you know, three first rounders and two swaps with like the possibility that if they lose Giannis, they're literally setting themselves back for like a decade. And, you know, Gordon Hayward's a, like a really nice player. I mean, I think he's probably better than Drew Holiday. Um, at very least he's close. But I mean, obviously, like all the injuries are concerning. Like, I don't know where his trade value is at. Like, like, I just have no idea where to pinpoint his value. Like if his value is low because of all the injuries, I think the Celtics might be in some trouble here because like, it's going to be hard to replicate his value. Like he's a really good player. Well, so were you surprised by KOC's report? I assume he actually reported this, but I saw it via a tweet from NBA Central. So you he can- He said never- it on uh, WEEI, which, you know, KOC doesn't come on my podcast, but he goes on shitty terrestrial radio. It's just a little bit <laughs> insulting, but yeah, no. He said it uh, actually on the radio and he said it was Hayward and three draft picks. I would assume that would be the three draft picks this year because it would just be shocking to see the Celtics give up future draft capital. Well, not shocking but they have a lot of picks this year so I'm guessing they'd want to trade them like did that offer surprise you at all like do you think that's like a good assessment of Hayward's value two things about that one I I would be surprised if it was all three picks this year um I would not have been surprised if they tried to do like 26 30 and like you know like next year well probably not next year's first because 2021 firsts are insanely valuable but like you know maybe like a future first or something like that because I do think that they kind of I I mean there's like a lot of useful players around 14 I wouldn't be surprised if they were trying to hang on to that I mean like a lottery pick plus two more firsts plus Gordon Hayward for Drew Holiday feels like Danny Ainge trying to trade for Justice Winslow like that is so much value for Drew Holiday that feels like an overpay, even based on what we know that Milwaukee offered. Like Milwaukee was super desperate, which is why they were trying to give that up. Like, I don't think the Celtics are probably that desperate. Like, I'm sure they want to convince like Jason Tatum that this is a place that he wants to stay long term. But, you know, that's years down the road as opposed to Giannis. So, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I uh, 
I don't know. It's <laughs> Hayward. Hayward's value is very strange to me. I feel like Drew Holiday though is like the ceiling of what the potential value could be in terms of like return for Hayward. Like, what other starters are out there that could really step in to the Celtics lineup? Maybe a deal for Miles Turner uh, is something that people have thrown about because people assume he wants to go back to Indiana. Gordon Hayward on a team of his own could be an All Star. I don't think you're going to get a likely or like kind of definitive All Star in return ideally if i'm the celtics i want two guys to kind of just fill in and they would be probably like your seventh and eighth best players or you want someone to add to the depth because knowing that you're not going to get someone like just one player of equal value you're going to want to add to the depth and that's like a deal i would be looking for but at this point i have no idea who those teams are i think indiana is obviously a team everyone thinks is going to happen but who knows where gordon wants to play I am kind of on the uh, danger cart slash B-Rob train of thought with Miles Turner where I'm just like, I just don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if I think he's that good. I got in a lot of trouble like two weeks ago by tweeting, the thing about Miles Turner is ah, that that's he's right, not good. And people, that's don't. right. And I was like, man, I'm never going to tweet a serious basketball opinion ever again. <laughs> people coming at me with like statistics. And then I tried to like come back with statistics and they were like, oh, you don't use those statistics when evaluating big men. I was like, but it's, it's field goal percentage. That one feels pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that one feels pretty basic. There's like, there's not a package out there that's like very exciting. I don't know. There's no player that goes immediately like, yeah, that makes the Celtics better. I, it seems like with this news, the Celtics are definitely going to move on from Gordon Hayward. I was kind of leaning towards uh, just run it back and have him opt in. But I, I think that's the ideal scenario for them, like that, that to have him around because yeah, like, I think you're 100% right. Like you're, you're not going to get equal value for him. Now, I think there might be like trade packages where you can get like good draft capital. Are you guys seeing these rumors across your timeline about the Chicago Bulls trying to trade for Kemba Walker? That's kind of crazy. I don't think the Celtics are trying to trade Kemba Walker. That who, seems cuckoo. Who would they even try? Like who, for Wendell who reported Carter? that? Apparently Kevin O'Connor said it on uh, WEI. <laughs> Everything is going crazy now. <laughs> But like uh, that makes no sense to me. I don't. I would be shocked if the Celtics traded Kemba Walker after one season. The report that I'm seeing again, this is from like one of those NBA aggregation Twitter accounts. Is the Chicago Bulls have reached out to the Boston Celtics about a potential trade for Kemba Walker per Kevin O'Connor? So yeah. I feel like that means that the Celtics will be like, no, we're not interested unless it's something pretty enticing. I can't even think about who on the Bulls would be enticing enough to make that deal worth it. I guess it would be like draft capital because they're pretty bad. Like Wendell Carter in the four? If you offered Wendell Carter in the four, I feel like you'd have to at least like tell them, well, we'll call you back. Give me a minute. That That's a guy who's been compared to Al Horford defensively, except he's like much younger. And, you know, there's a lot of value there. And obviously, um, or they could offer future draft capital, which sure. I know a lot of teams might not be interested in doing that, given the talent that is going to be available. But the Bulls are probably going to be bad again. So if, if the Chicago Bulls offered their 2021 pick unprotected for Kemba Walker, like, yeah, I think you really do, you, do have to look. But do you do that? Because right now you have your window of, I guess, championship competition and it's the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown Express. And if you basically trade it for Kemba Walker, a guy who can help you right now, an all-star, a guy who puts you in the conversation for Eastern Conference finals or finals for a 19-year-old kid starting in 2021, like delaying that window, isn't it like time to put all the chips on the table now and try to go for, like, I think the Celtics, if in a Hayward trade, 
I wouldn't actually be looking that much for draft capital. I want some savvy vets or some like guys who can actually contribute to this team. I know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are still quite young, but it feels like there's this five-year window that comes with Tatum's extension that is like the prime time where you have both of these guys locked in. Like that's your going for it like window. I also think though that like if they are considering moving Kemba, like I feel like Kemba's value is only going to decline. Yeah. The next three years and even next year, I would worry about Kemba's like durability in an 82 game or whatever they're doing, 72 game season plus playoffs, given what we saw this past year in his knee. And I feel like that's only going to get worse. I can't imagine that's going to get better. So now would be the time where you could maybe get the most value out of Kemba Walker if you're thinking about moving on. And like, I I think because of how loaded the Celtics are at wing and maybe that changes if Gordon leaves, but with Jason and Jalen, you could afford to lose Kemba and pick up, I mean, maybe someone in the draft or a serviceable point guard via free agency. Jam, to your point, I, I get I get what you're saying and I agree with you, but like if Gordon Hayward leaves and the Celtics can't replace him with like a borderline all-star, how close to contention are they actually given what Milwaukee just did and given what Brooklyn is trying to pull off? If those two teams like get to where they could be, like like I'm not 100% convinced that the Celtics like are that close to contention. I mean, they're, they're certainly a really good team. I think they can give those teams, you know, a, a run for their money. And honestly, like, you know, I certainly understand the argument that maybe Brooklyn isn't, James Harden, Brooklyn isn't the necessarily the juggernaut that it might be with all the chemistry question marks and whether or not KD is healthy. But I don't know, like, like the Celtics team is... They made the Eastern Conference Finals last year with Gordon Hayward being like playing on one leg. And if they don't turn the ball over a combined 35 times in the fourth quarters of game one and two of the Eastern Conference Final, like they're having, they're pretty close. I don't know. I'm a bit skeptical of the Bucks. Does the fact that Drew Holiday's on the team make it so they're going to play a different style of defense or maybe make adjustments in the playoffs? Like they they were had the best statistical year ever in the history of like point differential or anything last year. Their defense was very solid. Eric Bledsoe was an all defense was he second team all defense last year? Like Drew so. Holiday is not going to completely I don't think change everything that they do. Uh Bogdanovich is a nice addition, I guess but I don't think it makes the Bucks that much more dangerous because they were pretty dangerous last year and still got beaten. I, I think the East is still pretty wide open. And in my head, Celtics fan land, it's like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to continue to get better. And there's going to be some sort of leap. They're still like a top four team in the East with just having Kemba, Jason, Jalen, and then you throw in Smart and Tyson there. Like that's still, I think, a, a very good team. I don't know. I mean, I... I... I don't know. I get the argument. I just think like given the flattened odds, let's say Imani Bates reclassifies to 2021 and the Bulls bottom, you know, the Bulls aren't what they hope to be. And, and the Celtics get their pick. Like Imani I mean, Bates is, is, is like genuinely considered like the, the best prospect since Kevin Durant. He's better than Chet Stedman. Chet oh, Holgram. Uh, yeah. I call him Chet Stedman, who was Gary Busey's character in rookie of the year. And by that, I mean, I just started doing that yesterday when Jay King did it, but Jay King's a big Chet guy, and I'm trying to tell if that's uh, talent-based or uh, if Jay's just a racist. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Chet's really good too, but Chet would be the year after. Even if Imani Bates doesn't uh, reclassify, aren't there a lot of good prospects next year, like Cade Cunningham? It's if you want me to go through the list, I will. But I think if you have a top ten pick next year, there's a reason, like like a very reasonable chance to believe that you're drafting a future All Star. But isn't the point of like the whole hopes of the Celtics winning a championship, like the way you win a championship in the NBA, at least my understanding, is have 
a superstar, like have a top five player in the game. Right now, the your hope is that Jason Tatum develops into that guy. Yeah, I think adding someone to kind of complement Jason Tatum, an all-star, or maybe drafting that guy down the line, I'm open to that. But isn't it like it shouldn't be maximizing all you can do right now to kind of turn Jason Tatum into that guy? Is Jason Tatum going to like – it kind of feels funny. It's like is Jason Tatum going to want to wait around for a 19-year-old when he's been 19 for so many years? But <laughs> is he going to want to develop, like wait for some guy to develop at 19 or in his fifth year and like trying to compete for a championship? Well, maybe you're not waiting around. Maybe what you're doing is you're taking the, you know, the Bulls pick. Maybe let's say they're like around like the six, seven range in the 2021 draft. Next year's trade deadline, you have one of the most valuable trade chips like in the NBA. If you have like, like a top 10 pick in the 2021 draft, like with all this being said, why the hell would the Bulls do it just to get Kemba? See, that makes zero sense to me. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe I, and I mean, we're, we're really projecting here because like, it's possible the Bulls were like, hey, would you have any interest in the number four pick for Kemba? And the Celtics were just like, no, go away. Which like, that would make sense to me. But I don't know, definitely something to keep an eye on. Just going back to Gordon for one more second. I think that it's possible that he still is on the Celtics. Like, I don't think this is like confirmed Gordon's done. I think this just indicates that like he would like to leave, but I think it might be possible that this is his best option is to just opt in. They can't find the right trade partner. There's no three team deals that arise. Like it is possible that he just opts in and plays one more season. I think. I mean, if he opts in, I think we're just delaying saying goodbye to Gordon. I love the idea of opt in trade deadline like see what you have see what teams are kind of like I don't know I feel like you could flip them to like the Nuggets have a bunch of like role players I like the idea of just turning Gordon Hayward into two solid vets or just know their roles and basically can fill in well because there's been a roster construction issue on the Celtics I think they made it work because everyone was hurt last year but they could never play their best five players at the same time and when they did I thought it was going to be magical and it ended up being awful I thought that too. I was, it was, it was weird every time they got their ass kicked. But so, no, I agree with you that like, even if he does opt in, it's just delaying it either to the trade deadline or next season. Like if Gordon Hayward starts the season in a Celtics uniform, this is going to be his last season, regardless, in my opinion. Like, I don't think he would come back. Oh no, he hates it here. (laughs) (laughs) I was just remembering a time it was like, I think it was like the last road trip I went on is the Celtics went to Florida this January and he had a great game in Orlando. I think his Tatum was out and Kemba was out and all the questions were like, Gordon, what's it feel like to be good at basketball again? Like, what's it feel like to score 25 points in a game? And just the, how upset he was with people being like, remember being good remember being a star and just I couldn't see him just being super frustrated with his entire time in a Celtics uniform I remember at one point I was I asked him a couple of just like really basic questions about like the all-star candidacy of Tatum and Jalen and this was at a time when it was like you know they were clearly the Celtics like two potential all-stars like Gordon had not played enough I think he'd played like 15 20 games at this point and he clearly was not like an all-star condition and I asked him about it And I could just tell that he was peeved that I wasn't asking about him being an all-star too. And I was like, I kind of get it. I mean, for for years and years, he was the best player on his team. Um, You know, he was this big prized free agent. Everybody expected him to be making all-stars in the Eastern Conference and he didn't make any of them. Like, that's tough. Like, I I understand. uh, I really do understand. And I don't think it's anybody's fault. I don't think it's Boston's fault. I don't think it's Danny Ainge's fault. I just 100% understand why Gordon would be like, yeah, I want to get out of here. Like, this just has not gone well. 
the Celtics probably want him to stay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because um, like, how else are you going to improve your team? Like, I mean, there's there's ways to do it, but I mean, I think even like getting a good Gordon Hayward trade package probably takes you down just a notch. Like, I don't think you're going to get a Gordon Hayward trade package where you're as good as you were. So Sam Sheehan, friend of the show, has just proposed a fake trade, and it involves the Celtics getting James Harden, Gordon Hayward, and two first round picks going to the Pacers. And Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, and a whole slate of draft picks going to the Rockets. And Sam Sheehan getting a girlfriend. Win, 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 win. <laughs> I just started running like a couple of weeks ago. And I, so like all, all of a sudden, like Sam's like times make sense to me. That dude can really run. He runs his eighth mile faster than he runs his first mile. He runs up each sub- subsequent mile faster than the last. That's insane. That is absolute nonsense. Reacting to his trade, I don't Beautiful. The get James Harden just basically for Gordon Hayward and picks. I don't know. That seems like a crazy talk. I'm kind of in the group. I know that James Harden is good, but I don't want him on the Celtics because he doesn't play fun basketball and kind of seems like a dickhead. Uh, wait, wait. Here's more. Speaking of James Harden, did you guys see his Instagram video where he appeared to be in some sort of room with dark lighting and he took a cap? off of his water bottle and put it down. This was like moments after the Woj report that he turned down $50 million. Now, do we think it meant that the Woj report was cap in that he was lying? Or since he removed the cap from the water bottle, it was no cap. Thus, it was a legitimate report. I'm leaning towards cap, but I think it can be interpreted either way. See, I would have leaned no cap because he took the cap off. But then he zoomed in on the he cap. He zoomed in on the cap, Nicole. Oh, he zoomed in on the cap. Sorry, Sorry. for neglecting that a key detail. Okay, if he zoomed in on the cap, then I agree that it's cap. Also, if it's no cap, you don't feel the need to post about it. You just let the truth kind of just be out there. And so, but it does feel like he- A counterpoint did... is that these guys love social media attention. So do you think the cap post was cap? Is what you're trying to tell Ooh. me, Tom. Let's let's cap this off real quick. Have you um, ever read your son the book Caps for Sale with that uh, precocious monkey who's always selling those caps? I have not. Oh man, that's a good book. You should get on I've that. I've never even heard of it. I'm pretty, oh. I'm pretty well versed in children's books. Caps for Sale. It's A1 book. Caps for Sale. All right. That might not be the name of the book, but that's the premise. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's, let, 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 let's talk Drew Holiday for a few minutes here. Um, Jim, you're not as convinced that this is like everything Milwaukee needs. How good do you think this, or, or bad, do you think this <laughs> trade was? I don't know. Where, where are you at with it and, and them at this point? Do you think they're better? I think they're like objectively better. Drew Holiday is a better player than Eric Bledsoe. It, it shortens their rotation, but I don't know. The crazy thing about Milwaukee is I just never expected them to lose to the Heat last year. And so I talked earlier about like they had one of the best statistical seasons ever. Giannis, quite good at basketball. I don't know. Someone call him an MVP and defensive player of the year. Like I don't know if they necessarily needed this trade to kind of push them over the edge it really does feel like they just needed to stop playing drop defense and like make some sort of adjustments and be able to do something other than they're just one trick like I like I think they could have ran it back and just had a, a more successful playoff run like I think they really choked in the playoffs and it wasn't necessarily based on roster construction it felt like more of a strategic thing where they just couldn't adjust and they ran into the juggernaut that is the low body fat and of heat culture but I think it makes the team a little bit better. I think Bogdanovich definitely gives them a little bit more three-point shooting. 
lost in all of this savage that Shams tweeted out. Now they have two stars in Giannis Antetokounmpo and Drew Holiday, just completely ignoring known demon Chris Middleton. Also wildly inaccurate because he did not say stars. He said superstars. And I am sorry, dude. <laughs> I like Drew Holiday as much as the next guy, but like the Milwaukee Bucks have precisely one superstar and he's a superstar, but those are those are my favorite follow-up tweets is we're all like waiting with bated breath for like Woj and Shams to like come up with some other detail. And instead of giving us another detail, they just follow up their tweet with like their little bit of analysis that is just like whatever the agent told them to say. Woj was really making me upset today by retweeting all these links to his three-part Giannis podcast because I have his notifications on my phone. I'm like, oh, Woj bomb. And it's like, no, outside the lines wants me to listen to this three-part podcast about Giannis falling in the draft. How much do you want to bet that ESPN timed that release just so that everybody would have Woj's? They, like, so they absolutely knew that everybody had Woj on text alert so that when they sent out those tweets, it would be like the absolute That's maximum. A good strategy because it's making me furious. I love long form podcasts. I think it's a great idea. I think they should do it. But now that I've been duped, not once, not twice, but thrice times by this three part Giannis story, I'm never going to listen to it because I'm just upset. Maybe it was good for eyeballs, but it just made me a guy who's generally into long form narrative sports podcasts. I'm just never going to listen to it. He dropped in the draft because no one had seen him play against anyone except grainy Europeans in like level six European leagues. The funny, my favorite thing about this year's draft is there's another guy from that exact same league who like is going to go in the first round. And he's another guy who's just like an absolute freak physically. Poku. Uh, Are we talking about Poku? We are talking about Poku. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, no. So, I mean, I think the Bucks got better. It just feels kind of wild to say that a team that was on pace, you know, to win 63 or more games got better. And then to not say like, wow, this is like a terrifying trade for the Celtics, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Like the Bucks are good and were the heavy favorites going into the playoffs last year. This should make them better. I don't know what you do about that. If you're the Celtics, like, they still have to contend with Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, I don't think Shemi's going to come back, so they don't have a Giannis stopper anymore. So pretty much screwed if they do, screwed if they don't. Although they have two more days to make up their minds on Shemi. I feel like the Bucks are, are, are notably better and that they are like the clear favorites and that like, it, it's funny because like, I feel like Bogdanovich has this reputation as like a big shot maker because he's made a few big ones, but like we've also never seen him in the playoffs. So we actually have no idea if he's going to be like a major, you know, offensive upgrade over some of the guys that, didn't necessarily uh, come through in the postseason. I'm, I'm curious how this shakeup looks. I guess my thoughts right now, though, are that I think that they're beatable by the Bucks, Nets, and Heat. It seems entirely dependent on whether or not Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown like take another step. Their roster construction is not going to change. I think they can beat the Heat. I still don't believe in the Heat. I'm still upset that they lost to the Heat. I agree with you. I don't think they'd be favored in a Bucks series. We have no idea what Kevin Durant's going to look like. He's still going to be seven feet tall and probably the best shooter, one of the best shooters in the game. And so I'm imagining he'll be quite good. But I think there's like the tier of the Bucks, and then the Celtics are right there in the second tier with the Heat, with the Nets. I'll give the Raptors some credit just because they have championship culture, but clearly everyone's chasing the Bucks. but I think nothing really separates all the other teams. Like there's not a clear two or three that are above the Celtics in that regard. That's fair. I guess what I would say about 
the Heat, I think that Bam Adebayo probably will make similar strides compared to Jason and Jalen. And the Celtics really don't have an answer for him in terms of defending, unless Robert Williams also makes strides defensively. But I would assume he's going to improve a lot this offseason. And it seems like the Heat are pretty in on making moves. Like I saw Danilo Gallinari might sign there, which would make them really good. Like I just think if the Celtics stand pat, I just don't foresee whoever it is that beats them. I don't foresee a path to the finals like at all. I think the interesting thing about the Bucks trade for Drew is that it's like everyone's like saying this means Giannis is locked in for his extension. Um, shout out the Riffs man. That was unintentional, but I said locked in. But the Heat's like entire strategy was it seemed like to go after Giannis for when he became a potential free agent. And so they will suddenly have a lot more cap space and a lot. They're always like a motivated team to go out and get something done. I'm very curious who like the new star to be like out there on the market is for the Heat to go after. Maybe Maybe, and it's just going to be changing the dynamics. I think a lot of teams are planning on the Giannis chase, but if this trade means that Giannis is going to sign his extension, then it kind of makes it more of a toss-up of what's going to happen uh, moving forward with different teams. Right. Uh, for some reason, I just still can't get behind the Celtics as legitimate contenders. It's because you don't have enough belief in your heart like I do. You have to just have a, a willful ignorance as a fan and just believe that your team is better because they wear green. Packer will manifest this into uh, the reality. Absolutely. I'll bring this up one more time. If we, if we don't think the Celtics are are like, you know, contenders or, or like clearly a step below Milwaukee is probably the more fair way to put that. Is that good enough? Or do we think that like maybe some reshuffling might be worthwhile? You know, like again it very much depends what chicago might have actually been offering with that package but like is is something like that a little bit more worth considering just because the bucks are this much better i know it's kind of like what we touched on before but like i feel i feel like that's kind of where it comes back down to is like if you don't think i'm not like i'm kind of with you nicole like I do think the Celtics have like a puncher's chance because like, look, Miami made the finals last year. And, and I, I, I agree with Sam that like Boston was certainly the more talented team, but like that was a weird situation. Weird things happened. And I don't think the best team came out of the Eastern conference and that could happen again, but like you can't really gamble on that. So is it, is it better to have a puncher's chance and hope for the best, or is it better to try to retool a little bit, still be a good team next year? You know, you still have Jason Tatum and, uh, you know, you try to not rebuild, but like, I was like, are you ever going to get a player better than Giannis? Like, I just don't know. It, it feels like you play in the same conference as Giannis and that you're always going to have to compete with him and he's going to be the best player in the series. And so you have two guys who are very good right now. I guess you could retool. Does your retooling do anything to kind of amplify Jason and Jalen? Otherwise, you're just constantly pressing the reset button to try and get the best guy. Like, are you just waiting five years for Giannis to be past his prime? I think you probably won't be able to get a player better than Giannis, but you would be able to get like a player that could stop Giannis, if that makes sense. Like, I guess the problems at the five weren't as bad as maybe some people thought, but they still were an issue. If I think about all the players that concern me when assessing the Celtics chances, it's like Giannis, Anthony Davis, Bam Adebayo. It's like, those are the types of players I think that the Celtics don't really have like an answer for. But no one has an answer for them. Like (laughs) you can like just magically get a guy who's able to stop all three of those players. Your your (laughs) hope is that Jason Tatum somehow becomes on their level and teams have to worry about him as much as like you worry about other people. It's really just about maximizing Tatum at this point. And so I think any sort of reshuffling is kind of like, at least I take it as like you abandon the the Jason Tatum ship. Like, I don't know, see what you, 
how you kind of make it so you're putting Tatum in a better situation. It, it could happen. I just haven't seen like what that would be. So like if the Celtics were to make a move, like what would you like them to do? If you can somehow get a magical big man who can <laughs> slow down Giannis, Bam, and Anthony Davis, then I'm all for it. But I just don't know like who that player is. Like there's a, a five who could play, like can shoot somewhat and place the floor, but also play. Like if Daniel Tice could shoot the three, like, five percentage points better that's my ideal player to like maximize okay. uh, this team but i just don't well, know i feel like the guy you're describing is actually like 2017 al horford it's pretty much that's like who would be the like the best person in a brad stevens system is it feels like a five who can pass and space the floor and play elite defense that player just doesn't really exist and so in terms of maximizing the tatum window and like your hope is that tatum eventually becomes a, a top five player and like that's your path to a championship I don't know, like, if moving Kemba or, like, moving Hay- – I just don't think Hay- a Hayward deal right now is going to get it done. And so, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. – the- it feels like making a move for the sake of making a move, which is what fans – this is this actually what sets me apart from most fans. Fans are bloodthirsty right now for a trade or some sort of move. Fans like the offseason more than they enjoy the actual games – my idea is to shorten the season to two month increments where you play for a season for two months and then have an off season. And you do that four times a year. People would go bananas. <laughs> William Simmons over here, just coming up with ideas. <laughs> I like it. Well, all right, let, let's move on to this. Uh, we got one more segment here that we want to get to. That's uh, a little bit less. It's, it's weird how that went in doom and gloom. I blame you guys. It's you guys in the media. My fault. <laughs> uh, Nicole went doom and gloom here. But no, I, I think Sam has brought up a compelling response. Like, I agree with you. That player doesn't exist. I don't really know, like, what the answer would be. And it really is contingent upon Jason Tatum becoming, like, one of the best players in the NBA and riding that. All right, Packard, you and I were talking before we started recording about going through some of the guys and uh, doing a little segment here. Uh, are they cool or not? So I want to start with you. Who are some of the guys that you like simply because they sound like they're cool? And I will tell you if I agree that they are cool or not. Okay. And let me tell you, because I don't know much about these players and they don't mean anything to me until they are officially members of the Boston Celtics. And so I'm preparing for draft night, not by focusing on a perfect guy. I'm just going to be ready to talk myself into whoever the Celtics draft. And so that is so much easier if they're like uh, the Time Lord and they're just a certified badass or they're like Romeo Langford and they like to get blitzed out of their gourd. Uh, like these are things that have make it easier for me to talk myself in. And so I'm not going to be looking at the top guys because I don't think the Celtics are necessarily going to trade up. But I like any guy who has what could be perceived as a lady's name. So tell me about Kira Lewis Jr. Because that guy sounds cool. Kira Lewis is objectively cool. Uh, right on. T- tons of hair, extremely speedy. Like little shades of De'Aaron Fox, I would say, where he's just really, really fast and like really good around the basket. Like good handler, really shifty. Shifty guys are always cool. Especially when they got a lot of hair. Is really cool because it's something that not a lot of people can do. And the most exciting thing in an NBA game to me is like when someone does something athletic that's just absolutely insane. Like when Javante Green can jump higher, but also farther than anyone else has ever jumped. That's awesome. That's cool. So yes, no, Kira Lewis Jr., very cool. What about Desmond Bain? Now, cool name. Sixers Twitter seems to be really, really thirsting after him, but is he cool? 
So I think that Desmond Bain could go either way. Uh, and I think that Desmond Bain is a very good player, which is obviously not what we're doing here. How do you feel about negative wingspans? Oh my God, I hate it. So that was what I was going to say. I think that a negative wingspan is objectively not cool. So I'm going to go Desmond Bain, not cool, or like at very least just under cool. You know who uh, also has negative wingspan? Jay King. <laughs> Minus you- three. Okay, are you are you pro J King is cool? Or are you uh, J King is not cool and has zero knowledge of anything in pop culture other than like three movies. He is not cool whatsoever. I am quite cool. I have plus three wingspan. I measured the other day. I actually I can see you having a plus wingspan. I am almost. I'm like a perfect square. Exact wingspan matches my height. Nicole, what? when was the last time you measured your wingspan? I was gonna say. I feel like I have to go measure my wingspan now. It's please a do. fun experiment, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, please do. How tall are you, cool. Nicole? I am 5'5". Five 5'5". Five. Five five. All right, I so feel like I, I don't know. I don't. I can't gauge that just <laughs> looking at my wingspan, so I really don't know. I appreciate what you did for the listeners there where you held up your arms so that not even Packard or I could see your wingspan. Uh, tough to say. Tough to say, Nicole's wingspan. Uh, who else you got, Packard? Now, this guy I feel like has to be cool because he seems pretty fancy. And this is someone I've heard the Celtics are going to target with a draft and stash. What about Leandro Balmaro from Spain? Well, I know that you have become Leandro Balmaro's preeminent fan. I, I because think- of the fanciness. I don't even, I've seen like two highlight packages. He's just from Spain. So I believe him to be fancy. Well, I believe he's Italian. Actually, he's an Ooh. Italian playing in Spain. Even um, fancier. Yeah, he's, he's pretty cosmopolitan. Fan- very cool. Uh, Leandro Balmero, very cool. Anybody who, like, who's, who's able to like, you know, throw those types of passes, play that kind of flashy style, obviously cool. I'm going to flip this on you. Who's a person that the Celtics could pick at 14 that I would go, oh, man, look at this point, Dexter. Like, it's going to be real tough to talk myself into this guy. Who is the least cool? Is this journalistically allowed? Are you allowed to uh, determine which players are not cool? Who's the guy you should be looking out for? Who's a, a big red flag and, and maybe a nerd? We don't well, like nerds or we don't like dorks here. I, I'm going to say something controversial here I, I because I, I really like him. He was number one on my board uh, as of today. I don't think Onyeka Okungwu is cool. I think he's a little bit of a nerd. He's going to be a very good player. But, like, the thing that he's best at is, like, versatile defense. And, like, I don't know, man. Like, it's a very valuable skill. It's uh, super important for a center. I don't know that I think versatile defense is that cool. Let me, let me rephrase this. Nerds are cool because, oh, like, Grant Williams is a nerd. I was literally just about to ask you to clarify, Sam. Dorks are not good. And there's a, there's a key distinction there. Because I think nerds can be cool. We played Settlers of Catan with Grant Williams. Tom, you texted us the other day about a different version of Catan. And I got very excited about it. I would say I'm a, I'm a nerd uh, as well. And I have positive wingspan. But is he a nerd? Or is he a, just a, a guy who just doesn't have that much kind of like charisma and personality? Well, I mean, he is, he is a pretty quiet dude. Um, you know, not, not super talkative. And again, I would just say like, like I'll, I'll reiterate my question. Do you think that versatile defense is cool? I mean, I've been so Brad pilled to think that it's a super valuable thing. If that's your main thing you got going for you, no, then that's not cool. Does he wear shades? I have never seen Onyeka Kungu in shades. I, I can't say I've looked <laughs> that hard, but. Never uh, seen him in shades. <laughs> Definitely not cool. <laughs> Sam, I have a question for you. What is your power ranking of, in terms of coolness of the current roster? Um, like if you had to rank your top five. Coolest guys. Coolest Jalen guy. Brown is number one. I think he is cool. 
just objectively, he wears shades. He is smart. I would say he's also a nerd. Confidently rocked a flat top. Stalling for time, lowest on the list is Ennis Cantor. Trying to think who's the number two coolest guy. I think Kemba, just on outfits alone, like a guy who has that many mink coats and extravagant coats is just a winner in my book. For that reason, I would argue Kemba could push Jalen for the number one slot. The thing is, Kemba might be cooler than Jalen just because of Kemba's demeanor of always smiling. Like a real cool guy uh, just is never upset and just like will always be kind of returned to that neutral. And for Kemba, it's not even just neutral. It's that positivity. Mm. So I would say that is pretty cool. You make a compelling argument for that. I love Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart wears robes. I don't know if he's top three cool, though. He's insane, and I love him for it, but insanity's not cool. Like, that's not something you want. Like, that's, I don't know if you necessarily want to hang out, although now I'm thinking of the clip of Marcus Smart dancing uh, kind of in the middle of the Celtics at the Encore Casino. Objectively cool. cool. No, I think Marcus Smart, uh, he's too crazy to be cool. I'm trying to just, like, go down the locker room. Like, who else is on the team? I think Daniel Tice is cool. Daniel Tice is sneaky cool. I would agree. Tice won't say anything to you in, like, uh, the locker room setting, but then he's always the person making fun of uh, his teammates and stuff like that. He's got sleeves of tattoos. He just seems like a good shit talker, which if you have the gift of gab, that's cool. So Daniel Tice, I think it's going to go Kemba, Jalen, Tice, Vincent Poirier, just because of his outfits. And then... What about like Rob or Romeo? Or oh my God. Can't believe I forgot about Rob Williams. Rob Williams should be higher than Vinny. Rob's coming in a solid number four. Javante's more of a class clown type. I don't know if he's cool. He's more of a jokester. Javante is the king of uh, tapping you on one shoulder in the locker room and then appearing on the other side. Like that's objectively funny, but I don't know if that's a, he knows his role and it's not to be a cool guy. It's to be a more of a prankster. Romeo, too sleepy to be cool, but I can't believe I forgot Time Lord. He has to be there. Also, I feel like this is stolen valor doing this rankings when like the Riffs man should be doing these rankings. <laughs> it's, a, well, it's a fair point, And we will have the Riffs man on to do coolness. And then my next question was... Well, before you do, Nicole, I just want to make a quick Tice point as well. Another reason Tice is cool is because Terry Rozier thinks he's cool. And Terry Rozier was objectively super cool. His favorite white boy. Favorite white boy. What did Daniel Tice do to earn that? Who knows? We'll never find out. So I was going to ask you, where does Terry Rozier rank in terms of coolness on the Celtics in like recent years? And is there anybody else who no longer is on the team that was also very cool? Terry's probably the coolest player who's been on the Celtics while I've been covering the team and actually like been able to go into the locker room and kind of get to know the guys. Like he's just, Terry just had a natural charisma where it's just like, you wanted to talk to him. He's the type of guy you would like, if you think about the videos, like in between this like segments on the Jumbotron, every single time his would just be a winner just because it was Terry being Terry. And that's like objectively, like you just want to hang out with the guy. And so I can't think of anyone who's better than that. Evan Turner is hilarious, but it's because he knows his own limitations and knows he's not that cool, which Agreed. makes him great. And so I think it has to be Terry. He's just oozes charisma and he's a guy you want to hang out with. Is Isaiah cool? I couldn't make up my mind about him. He's I cool because he's a small guy thriving in a big man's world. But I think his personality is so like, like kind of a Napoleon complex. It's fun to root for him, but he's not like uh, he's cracking jokes or like just wearing a leather jacket. I feel like a cool person doesn't do the whole like Brinks truck bit. A cool person does it with class and does it with ease. Yeah, yeah, there it is. And I don't know if Isaiah necessarily uh, did that, pulled that one off. (laughs) 
All right, guys. Well, really want to thank Jam Packard for coming on the pod. Everybody who's listening, we appreciate anybody who's left us a, a rating or a review. Thank you to everyone who listens, and we will talk to you soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.